Have you ever wondered what life is like for someone who makes money creating on OnlyFans? When I said those two words, did some judgments flash across your mind? What expectations, what preconceptions do you have about what it would mean to do that kind of work or pay for for that kind of content? I know what I thought about it. I was present to the reflections of the inbuilt shame and the conservatism of, of my youth around when I kind of became a sexual being. I was involved in a school that was involved in a church. And yeah, there's it been a lot to do dismantle over my life. And even though my accepting adult self is the one doing the thinking these days, I, I still had to double take. So when I finally spoke with someone who makes money there, and I'm talking upwards of $200,000 a month, I was blown away. Harry Jowsey is a superstar with 9 million combined followers on Instagram and TikTok. He's pivoted from an appearance on uh, the Netflix show Too Hot to Handle into a career where he is absolutely in charge of his own worth, his value, and he has agency about every single thing that he gets involved in. Are some of those things videos of explicit sexual content between consenting adults, which other consenting adults gratefully pay to watch? Absolutely. But no one person is just one thing. Harry has such an incredible head for business, a crystal clear understanding of the product that he offers to people who are willing to pay for that product, and a strong vision of how he plans to innovate that product and participate financially in the success of that product every single step of the way. Whatever you thought about creators like Harry, you might be about to get challenged on. Just a heads up, it's pretty good. Before we speak with Harry, we have to pay the bills here. At this point, I do not have an OnlyFans account, so I make my money by playing you advertising. So enjoy these ads, which you may or may not hear, and then in a moment, you'll hear from Harry. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
what do you want to have in five years? Who do you want to look like? What do you want to smell like? What do you want to be like? How do you want, like, what energy do you want to radiate off you when people talk to you? And my biggest thing is I look in the mirror and I'm like, that's not who I am in five years. So why am I not working harder? Like what? Like <laughs> I, I can, I know I can be better. I know I can be more dialed in. I know I can be more honed in and I know I can be a better version of myself. So if I, if you're looking in the mirror and you're, and you're not happy or you're not excited, then, then just, just open the door, take one step outside, ha- have a goal for the day. I want to do, I want to do a kilometer walk there and back, or I want to do two kilometer walk. That was content creation superstar, Harry Jowsey. And this is Osher Ginsburg, Better Than Yesterday. G'day, welcome. This is Better Than Yesterday. Thanks for being a part of it. This is a podcast that since 2013 has been making your day-to-day better than yesterday by having conversations with people from all over the world, from all walks of life, some of them experts at what they do, but every conversation will leave you with that feeling that when you go to bed tonight, you'll be like, oh, you know what? Today was pretty fucking good. Yeah, yeah, better than yesterday, better than yesterday even. That's the job. That's what I do. I'm Osher Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm a TV host. I'm a bicycle rider. I'm a studio builder. I'm a camera rigger. I'm a Renaissance roadie. Um, when I was 17, I was a roadie for about three or four years. Three, four, three, three years. And um, the other night when I was uh, building the show that I'm doing at the moment at the factory theater, I was like up a ladder with gaff tape and a backwards hat on and in a lighting rig, you know, I was like me 20, 30 years ago doing the stuff. Still got it. I can still, I can still tear gaff and roll a cable like a pro. And um, yeah, it was fucking great. Thank you to everybody who came to NTNN NNN the other night. It was super duper cool. I had such a great time. I spoke a bit about it on Friday, but essentially it's a uh, NTNN NNN. It's real stories, fake news. It's a, it's a fake news show. It's a satirical news show, that, the kind of show that I wish I could do on late night television, but no one's going to offer me a late night television satirical news show. It's just not going to happen. So I fucking made one myself and we had such an amazing time. It was great. We had everyone from... Crikey, what did we have? We had everyone from neo-Nazis on stage to an exploration into temporal time reversal as far as, you know, theoretical particle physics is involved. And uh, the actual Matty J came and did our weather, like the real human being, Matty J, was on stage and he, he, he was the weather reporter for the day. It was amazing. Fucking amazing. There's still tickets available for the last two shows in Sydney. Uh, there's this Friday and next Friday. Melbourne International Comedy Festival is on sale right now. You can get the tickets in the show notes. It was super fucking fun. There was heaps of people that came on Friday that had been there the first night. So, yeah, you can come to more than one show. It'll never be the same show twice. And I love that. I love that what we're creating is only going to exist in that room. And it's only possible because of the people in that room. And it's never, ever going to happen again. I record a little bit of it and I put a little bit of it out online. But other than that... No one will ever see or hear or experience it ever again. So you have to be in the room. And it was fucking amazing. And I I can't wait for the next couple of shows. I really hope you can come along. Let me tell you about my guest today. Harry Jousey is a superstar. If you don't know his name, ask, I don't know, any person under the age of 22. 
He's massive. And not just because he's six foot five and ripped, but because he has an online following approaching 10 million people. Now, he's not alone in this world as someone who has that kind of following. However, for my money, Harry's a part of a, a new wave of entrepreneurs who see themselves and what they offer online as the product, who treat that product and the innovation, maintenance, and future value of that product as a matter of priority. Harry is a very, very successful person. And when you hear this conversation, you'll figure out why. Yes, his body and his sexuality are a part of his value proposition, part of what he offers his customers, but there is so much more to him. I was just so incredibly impressed with this guy. And not only with how he handles himself, but with how as someone who clearly had an issue uh, with, uh, shall we say, authority early in life, he, he's quite open about that. You'll hear it in this conversation. Could see that, hang on, I might need to, you know, do some work here. And when he speaks about what role therapy has played in not only how he feels every day, but in the financial and business success that he's experiencing, I just wish it was something more people could hear. You're going to hear it today, but I wish more people could hear it because it's really, really impressive. I really hope that when you listen to this, perhaps you'll be open to a shifting of perception around people who make a living, a very, very good living in the same way that Harry does. We chatted, he was living at the Langham Hotel on the Gold Coast when we spoke. Like, not a cheap place to stay and he'd been there for fucking weeks. Like, amazing. The guy's extraordinary. You can find Harry everywhere. He's on Instagram, he's on TikTok and yes, he is also on OnlyFans. Enjoy this chat with Harry Jowsey. I'm really stoked to speak with you today. Uh, don't give away exactly, but can you give us a vague idea of where in the world we're talking to you today? I'm in the Gold Coast. I'm at the Langham Hotel. The beautiful, <laughs> the Golden Coast, where the sun shines most on the Golden it's beautiful Coast. beautiful yeah. Oh, man. We, we, shot the, we shot the bachelors up there. <laughs> We're, oh, I met those guys. They were telling me they did it up here and they said it was just gorgeous. Yeah. So it's amazing. They were at, there's a big high rise. If you look out to your left, there's a massive high rise with a spire on top. That's where they lived. They don't put them in like a big house? They were lived. They lived in an apartment, a penthouse apartment that is so big, you could ride your bicycle from the bedroom to the pool, which was also inside the apartment. Wow. Yep. Wow, that is crazy. It was the full, the full scenario, man. It was like, not for me. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm nearly 49. Those days, like, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I am octonauts and I'm playing with magnets with my toddler. Maybe, when, maybe in my 20s. But not. Yeah, it was perfect for them. It was perfect for them. Uh, but mate, I'm, yeah. look, I'm real stoked. I'm so stoked to talk to you and who you are to many people is this kind of mysterious new version of what it is to be someone of profile. Someone like there's a there's a a business model that people know of someone in the public eye, whether it be an athlete or someone who does my job. Uh, which is be on television, old television, and mm. people kind of understand how the money comes their way. But when they look at someone like you, who you're 25, 24, yeah, 25, 24, 24. they're like, what? It, it, what? Like, don't, it's like beyond their comprehension because this, it's only like in the last maybe three, five years that uh, this has been a way that people can 
pretty much set themselves up for life. And the model of, oh, no, 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 but they didn't go to university. And, blah, 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 blah. Like, and people are, do you, find, do you find people are afraid of that? For sure. Yeah. It's just like, it's the world of the unknown. You kind of just have to dive headfirst into it. Like, I've got a lot of friends here that are still don't understand this world and understand like my, how it, which, how I navigate my life, which is fine. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I tell anyone to stay away from university. I'm like, you go in there, figure it, figure out your shit. Unless you want to be an engineer or a doctor or like something where you need it. But like, if you just, if you're in high school and, and you're confused, I just go, just go and travel the world and find out who you want to become as a human. What was your experience <laughs> like uh, at school? I heard there, there might've been a, a bit of ruckus. Yeah, I was, I was the world's worst kid, uh, to be honest. Like I was class clown. Um, I got in, I got pretty much kicked out of all the schools in Queensland. They just would, they wouldn't accept me anymore. So I went to school in New Zealand and then I got kicked out of that school as well. But it was the same situation. Like essentially you have to go to university or your life's over and you're going to die. Like that's kind of how it felt. And then once I realized that I can actually just like work and like live and travel and life isn't that scary, then it was, it was good to go. You're a, you're not a small man. When you got off the plane in New Zealand, were you as high as was you as were you as big as you are now? No, I was I was pretty tall, but I was just skinny. Oh, I right. was just a little like cricket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at what point? At what point did uh, did lean muscle mass come into your life? Not uh, probably when I turned 21. Like not till till later. Like I, I look at photos and stuff, especially when I was on tour at the handle. I was so I was skinny fat. Like I. I thought I looked good, but now compared, I'm like, okay, well, I can tell like I've, my, uh, my testosterone is, I was going to say estrogen, my testosterone has is, is gone up a notch and, well, and I'm building into a man. At this, point in, at this point in your life, you're a protein synthesis machine. All right, wait till you, yeah, uh, yeah. Come, come, <laughs> come my end of the spectrum, mate. You, it's a little harder to find. It's going to slow down. It's just, how, yeah. it's just how it is, mate, unless you go exogenous and it's a whole other world. Uh, but so, but what, what was it about school that, you know, clearly you're a clever man. Clearly you have figured out ways of making the world work for you. Clearly you've figured out ways of keeping perhaps not relationships that people may know you through, but <laughs> business relationships. People, like you don't accidentally stay successful in any field. You have to be mm. someone that people want to work with. You can't be a fucking asshole because eventually people yeah. go, not worth it. So clearly you figured out how the world works. D you know, w what was it about school that, didn't kind of grasp you it's just more more in a sense like i didn't necessarily appreciate being told how to think like with university it's like this is how business works this is how it goes i'm like well how many like online businesses have you started like what like for me it was more around like i just couldn't see their proof of like concept so i was like okay well i don't want to listen to you which is terrible but i just don't like being told how to think i personally would rather go out there fuck up, make the mistakes, learn from it, and then figure it out. That, and that's what works best for me. I can't have someone be like, oh, um, you shouldn't you shouldn't do that because it's not going to work. I'm like, well, I want to figure that out. I don't want you to tell me because it might work for me. At what point in your life did the idea of being able to make money off the way that you, you appear, you know, visually start to show up? Um, when I first got verified, that's when I, um, on on social media, I realized like how much power that had with uh, just like selling stuff. Like people kind of, there's like more uh, notoriety there. And that was the first first time where I was like, okay, like I can actually turn this into like a career. 
uh, on social media. And a lot of people figure it out like without being verified or whatever, but that was kind of the first point where like you can kind of, I don't know, you kind of stand out a little bit in, in the uh, yeah social social world. So it was, yeah, but then for my, for, for my face and my body, it was kind of more when the second show come around. Right. How do you yeah. have conversations? I mean, even now, when you're talking yeah. to people back in your poon where you grew up, you know, how do you explain to people where the money comes from? Um, it comes from a, a number of things. So it's more like uh, I have, you know, an investment fund. Um, I have a bunch of brand deals all the time. Uh, there's, there's things that we film um, that may not get posted on my social media. We film shows, uh, just film the movie. And then there's also like uh, OnlyFans money. There's podcast money. There's money that's coming in from so many areas. So yeah, it's it's kind of funny because I, I did the same when I first come into this space. I'm like, I'm looking at these social media kids and no one's posting brand deals. How are they so successful? What are they doing? And then I realized like where there's audience, there's opportunity and there's so many different ways where you can uh, leverage that. Maybe it's just putting your name to something and you get sweat equity with a brand or whatever else. So um, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of lot of ways to make money in this let's space. Have, let's have that. Let's talk about that because a lot of people may not understand what what sweat equity is. We've heard Beyonce talk about it. Fuck you, pay me. Mm. We've heard Beyonce sing, don't give me cash, give me equity. Um, for people mm -hmm. who are listening that have never heard that before, can you explain to them what it is? Yeah, essentially, uh, sweat equity, you get someone who may have um, a valuable name. I'm not saying mine is that valuable, but for some brands it is. Um, like for Blake Griffin, he, uh, Theragun, he, when he first started with the NBA, um, they said, oh, we want to give, we want to have you a part of this team, but, you don't necessarily need to invest because of who you are and the amount of eyeballs you're going to bring to this brand, whether that's just having your name associated, whether that's having uh, you post on social media, whatever else. So it's essentially, it's a free marketing funnel for whatever brand that is. And all they have to do is shave off a couple points. Um, and it works better in my favor as well, because I'm invested in the long-term game for this brand and I want to push it as much as I can. And when I have conversations, whether like it's a podcast like this or whether it's in the media or whatever else, I'm going to drop in. Like, oh yeah, this is what I'm involved in and I'm excited yeah. about it. So it, it works hand in hand with the brand and, and the uh, public figure. And when you say shave off points, you're talking a, a percentage of the shares that are available uh, within the founder's pool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The way the structures are, there's a founder's pool on this, you know, when they raise more money, they leave shares aside to, to raise more money. But essentially, it's usually only in a startup phase of, of maybe Beyonce is getting points in Tiffany. Probably. Because uh, she's Beyonce. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Jay-Z will show up and go, mm-hmm, 99 was the <laughs> amount of problems. Well, guess how many is going to be? No, no. no I, think, I think Beyonce can take care of herself more. Uh, but it's essentially like usually in the startup phase of a company, um, treating somebody like yourself as essentially an, an employee, you know, uh, mm -hmm. a, or a, a marketing play, and that is worth money to the bottom line. You're not an engineer. You're not a salesperson. You're, you're not a strategy person. However, who you are can get more people's eyeballs on the particular brand. And that is worth a lot of money to the other shareholders. So giving you, you know, points of a percent or a percent or so in the startup phases, it's low risk for you. It's low risk for them. But if it blows up, hello boys, it blows up. Yeah. Everyone's happy. There's that famous story <laughs> of the guy that wrote the graffiti on the wall in the Facebook office. He did it for shares, you know? It was like it was one mural. It was only a couple of meters long. And at the time, Zuckerberg was like, oh, I don't have any cash. I'll give you some shares and cut to, you know, five years later. And it's literally like $80 million or something. It was- Wow. Yeah. 
I think it ended terribly. I don't think he did. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, a huge amount of money <laughs> suddenly bestowed upon somebody who may not be ready um, has, unfortunately, a, uh, you know, there's there's many stories about that and we're seeing it play out in public. We're seeing it playing out with uh, people like Britney Spears or such and that. You know, when you're a young person, I certainly know this. I'm someone who rides motorbikes. I'm very grateful I didn't ride motorbikes until way late into my 40s uh, after I had a family <laughs> So I'm far more careful and far more risk averse. Yet in my 20s, it was like, I don't know where my money went. All that Australian Idol mm. money, dude, I have an idea when it went, Harry. But it, <laughs> how do you, when you when it started to really turn on for you, when the, the, mm. the, the, the tap of cash started to show up and then you realized, wow, I can leverage this and I can turn this $1 into 10 if I'm clever with it, which you clearly are. How did you kind of, what, what kind of steps did you take to make sure that you would be okay personally uh, and make make sure that you, you know, would kind of insulate yourself from getting into this bottomless pit of, you know, essentially, you know, spending that ruined you. I think the the best thing that I have is I have an incredible team around me. So my manager, uh, his name is Jeff Duncan and he's a very successful businessman. And he, he brought me on and essentially just ran me as a business. Um, you know, this is how much cash coming in. This is kind of what we're looking at. We have like monthly breakdowns of like what's going in, what's coming out, budgets, everything, all that stuff to make sure that, make sure everything's kind of like just ex exactly like a business. So when I, when the money started like turning on like crazy, I really got nervous to spend anything and I kind of got scared because I didn't want to disappoint him. Like, oh, I want this really nice watch, but I'm afraid to spend it. So I was kind of like scared to do anything. And then when I realized that it's my money and I could spend it, um, I went a little bit crazy, but um, yeah. So we have an investment fund, and we have, you know, I have an amazing accountant. I think I have like three that help me plan for the future. We have like, okay, like this is we set goals, and I think that's the best way to do it with money, um, especially coming in as quick as it does, is to make sure that there's like, okay, so this year we want to get a house here, or this year, you know, we want to invest in this or whatever else, so that I I know that maybe I shouldn't spend $150,000 this month and, and go crazy and travel and take my friends somewhere. Maybe I should just sit on my hands for a little bit and, and hold on to that cash. So yeah, it's just about having a good team and a good structure. <laughs> how, how did even that, let, let's go back before that. At what point <laughs> is management show up? Because you're very lucky to have that. Some people don't have that. Some people hit the, I, I'm, in my experience, I hit the, the head of it with nobody. And it wow. didn't, didn't work out very well. Uh, it's worked out better now. Uh, I've got a great team now, but at the time I had nobody. Uh, how mm. did that even begin? So I, when we first finished filming the show, I had one friend. Uh, so my ex-girlfriend lived in Vancouver and I only had one friend there. This guy, Jeff, uh, who I met in New Zealand randomly through some like business people. Um, and I told him, I'm going to be in town. would love to get a coffee. would love to catch up and just sit down and pick your brain about things. Because at that time, didn't really know anything about business, didn't know... All I knew is I had this show that was coming and I had a pretty shitty team in New Zealand at the time because I thought the best thing to do was to be with an agency and to be able to get uh, brand deals and stuff going in, but they sucked. Like they were really, they didn't care about me. They didn't care about any anything that sense. So I told him like exactly my struggles and he's like, oh, well, look, if you have any contracts that you want me to look over on the side of my desk, I'll do it. Then um, he started, you know, helping out a little bit more. Uh, COVID kind of come around and his main business is uh, in the hotel software space. And as you can imagine, hotels fully stopped bookings and his revenue dropped like 90% in the month of that the show kind of came out. But my life skyrocketed. Um, so he's like, okay, well, 
I have all these amazing employees. I don't want them to not work. I don't want them to not make money. Let's move them over here. And then they just went bananas. They just, they figured out my whole life. They, they structured everything around me because they wanted to stay busy. They wanted to keep uh, things moving forward. And from that point, it was just like, you know, he, he was just, he wasn't even, he was barely sleeping. Like he was just, okay, like, how do I, how do I navigate this? Going through every single email. Cause at the time, like I was having over 2 million story views on my Instagram every single day. And then with that, there's brands, there's people emailing this friend, there's people saying like, I love Harry, blah, blah, blah. Can I have your socks? Can I have this? Then brands go through. So he's gone through every single email, making sure that he can try and find people that we want to work with and whatever else. So he really just put in the hard yards and really built, uh, built that through. And I'm so grateful. I've had a few people try and steal me from him um, to, over the years, but I couldn't imagine myself being with anyone else. And then I look at like other influencers and whatever else who are too afraid, too afraid to get a team and what and whatnot. And I just say like, you look at, you think Justin Bieber, you think Drake, you think all these like big people, if that's your goal to get to that level, like you think they're doing it by themselves, like they have an amazing team, but I think everyone's just more, they're like, oh, well, I don't want to give away 20%. I'm like, it's 20% of whatever they bring to you. It's crazy. <laughs> And that, and that really is, and that takes, that can take some people a long time to get to, but it's a, Mm. it's a fallacy to, if it's constructed to look like you, Mm -hmm. Harry Jowsey are doing all of this by yourself, then that is what it is. Then it's doing its job, right? Yeah. But the reality is very different. Uh, I can only, I wouldn't want you to say how many, but I know in my case, there's, I think at least seven people, eight people, uh, that I work with between television and podcasting and everything else that I do. And all those people oh. get a percentage of what it is that, that I do. When I first started mm-hmm. getting management, I was quite reluctant to give up that my hard earned, but you're right. Yeah. Like it's money that they bring in is money that was ne- I was never going to get. So am I happy to give away a couple percentage of that? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Of course. Yeah. But yeah. no one does it by themselves. No way. Yeah, I think I have in my immediate team, there's 15. Then there's uh, my publicist and her team, which is like four or five. Uh, Then there's my agents, which is four. (laughs) Uh, And then there's another agency, which is, I think, like uh, five to 10 people. But they they all bring in whatever they need to bring in. It's, bu- it's busy. It's got to get bigger. Yeah, but you and but it's it's but it's important because you you but it seems that you kind of understand that there is a product that it's it's not you. It is mm. the it is the thing that people appreciate when they're looking at a screen. That is the product mm. that you create. It's this mm. version of you and some people I know I certainly did, can have a hard time separating that, understanding, you know, themselves and and the product. Did that does that come easily to you? I think it's 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 very funny when I meet people and they're like, oh, I thought you were gonna be like this. I'm like, I do certain things yeah. on social media for a reaction to get yeah. uh more eyeballs and to get more audience and more people engaged. And I'll say things online and I'll do things online that I know are gonna work to get more attention my way. Um, but in person, I'm just a normal guy. Like I went to the pub here in Gold Coast with a few friends and they were like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, what, are you sure this is okay? I'm like, I'm a normal dude. Like I'm just me, I'm Harry. And yeah, I'll go online and I'll be crazy and post whatever, but like, I want to hang out with people and be normal. I understand the night and day difference, but I, I tend to have to explain it to like my friends and 
even my mum as well that like, hey, like that didn't happen. It was just a story, you know. Speaking of mums, now's probably not okay to talk about it. Now's probably not okay mm-hmm. time to talk about it. Uh, at what point do you tell your mum about the OnlyFans stuff? Oh, I think all her friends have signed up, so she's <laughs> she probably hears enough about it. Because <laughs> that's because that's a thing, uh, and you know that is the real generational divide thing. The idea that mm-hmm. a young man or a young woman who is, is willingly and quite you know with eyes wide open, creating this product mm-hmm. and getting paid. What have you learned about other people's internalized shame through your experience mm-hmm. of OnlyFans? OnlyFans is one of those things where you can, there's people on there doing cooking classes, mm-hmm. there's people on there doing DJ sets, and there's people on there doing full-blown porn. And it kind of like, so 1% of people, they give the rest of us like a bad rap, which is fine, but it's just, I, especially coming to Australia, everyone's like, oh, wow, like that's so scary. It's like taboo. And I'm like, look, at the end of the day, I have a, an amazing fan base and audience, and there's a select few of them wanna, that want to get to know me a little bit better, and they're willing to, to pay for it. They're willing to sit down and talk and spend money and see more of my life than I would post on social media. So it is kind of funny, especially with other men as well. Guys tend to get like a little bit weirded out about it. Like, oh, you do OnlyFans, you must be this or you must be that. I'm like, no, it's like, it's... It's not a big deal. Like it's just another social media platform, uh, and it works really well for me. What are the misconceptions that other men have about you doing OnlyFans, Harry? I think I think it's more around uh, like insecurity. I think that's what it is. Like guys tend to be like, "Oh, well, you shouldn't be able to make money from your body or whatever else, or you're a sex worker." And it's not. A, it's like I don't really care what you guys say because I've made multiple millions of dollars from this website. So it's not a big deal for me. And like, if you could be in my position, I'm sure you would be. So I think it just comes down to like a little bit of insecurity. An athlete makes money from their body. True. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty much an athlete. I'm a sex athlete. (laughs) Well, yeah. And and sometimes it's hard work. Let's be honest. I've, I, I have become quite puffed in the past, yeah. def- most definitely yeah. when things are robust. <laughs> well and truly, there's, you know, if you're not a little short of breath, you know, are you even doing it right? Exactly. But, but there's so there's so much stigma in our community here in Australia, I guess, at least. Mm. I can't really speak. I haven't been in America for about, you know, seven years, but there's a lot of stigma in this community about young people, men or women, making money off of a site like OnlyFans. Why do you think that is? I think it comes down to tall poppy syndrome. And that's one thing that I've um, and dealt with dealt with a lot and, and trying to understand, especially coming back to Australia. When you're in America, and you've probably experienced this as well, you tell someone you have a dream. You say, I want to go to the moon one day. And there's someone there that's going to be like, oh, I know someone that can help you get to the moon. Exactly. But if you say something here, people are like, oh, that's a bit fucking weird. Why would you think like that? And like, oh, you shouldn't do that because it's their thought process on how big or how big they can dream. Yeah. So I think the stigma around it is more in a sense that they heard their friends say that this person was having sex on there and they think it's disgusting and gross. They don't want to go near it. But you go to America and it's like, oh, you just know it's just normal people doing whatever and they're just trying to connect more. So I don't know. I think it comes down to tall poppy syndrome and people uh, not being willing to learn, but more just kind of folding to what everyone else is saying and, and being like, okay, well, I, I should stay away from that. 
I had the same experience in America, and it was so lovely to hear you describe it because that is how I described. Well, when I first went to America, I, I, what do you do? It's like oh, Australian oil. Like, Pardon what? Mm. I was Australian oil. Like I'm mumbling the fact that I was a part of the highest rating television show in the history of my country mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was Crazy. ingrained in me to not say it loud. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you described happened to me. Like within less than a minute. Someone goes, you should talk to this guy. Fucking, and that person over there, they're doing a thing. Guys, guys, come over here. We've got, and like the, yeah. the idea of helping another person achieve some amount of, you know, uh, progression wherever they're going is culturally ingrained. I'd like to think that as Australians, we're getting better at it, but mm. um, I, I, I think we could do more of it. We, there's no need to hold ourselves back. Like we can, mm. we can, there's, there's more pie than there is pie chart. Helping another person helps you. All right. And, and that's it. You know, that's the, that's, end the, of it. that's <laughs> the best thing I learned is that the more you can help other people, more comes back. Like whenever I yeah. am feeling like tight on money, I send money out. I know it's going to come back to me, but the funny thing about America that was the first place that I realized that you could raise money for your business and you didn't have to put your own money in. I'm like, what? You can ask people for money, they can do it for you? That's not a thing yeah. in Australia. And they're like, oh no, it yeah. probably is. But I was like, it's so rare. Everyone just yeah. kind of like, if you start a business, your friends don't want to post about it. No one wants to buy something. Like in America, all my friends, I was like, oh, I, I started a candle business recently. And I was like, yeah, I'll send you guys some. And they're like, no, just send us the website. We'll buy it. And, and all my... Yeah. My like my friends over here were kind of just like, oh, can you give me a discount code or can you send me some? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Like it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like and the yeah. just because you're my friend, you feel like it's you're <laughs> entitled to, to for me to have to pay this like pay for this whole thing for you. I'm Very sure funny. I'm sure you'll figure that part out. <laughs> Do you feel a sense of responsibility? You know, as someone who does this kind of work and and essentially broadcasts this kind of work, do you say, do you feel a sense of responsibility about instilling, uh, I guess, you know, values around around consent and values around you know being mindful of your partner's needs? Yeah, so I'm very open about like my sex life and my dating and 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 everything in that sense. So I think that that falls under that umbrella of just being talking more about this stuff. And, and you're right, talking about consent and making sure that um, especially young men know where to draw the line and to not to not overstep. So I think I, I do have a bit of a responsibility in that. But I also try and talk to people about like stuff that I've gone through in, in hopes that it helps uh, maybe give someone a different peace of mind or it helps um, you know spark conversation. Growing, growing up in Yapoon in the, you know, the early 2000s, I, I can't imagine that there were many. Were there many conversations around, around consent with you and your mates? No, not at all. It was kind of kind of a funny one. Me and my friends never really like would drink to go out and like hook up with girls. We'd drink to just get fucked up and try and like, you know, fight or tackle a tree or something. So it was... Always, it was always kind of a funny one, and I never really, never really understood. I guess I think because for me, my friend group, my friends aren't horned dogs that just want to smash everything that's in front of them. So I never really saw, saw creepy guys towards women, and I think maybe that's why I love my friends so much is because we're all like pretty relaxed. Like they go, says, "Oh no, I don't want to come home with you." They're like, "Cool, I don't care. I'm having a good time with the boys anyway." So. Yeah, it is a bit of a weird one, but you do see a lot of that in America. You do see guys that are very like forward and, and open and honest. And yeah, it is a little bit alarming sometimes when you see uh, guys just being a little bit too pushy. Ah, oh, there was, yeah, the, the stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, in LA, you know, you don't have to be, when I was there at least, it's certainly in the mid-2000s, you know, turn around and you see there's like a young, a young woman having a, a coffee uh, with someone who's like, that's not your dad. And yeah. you have <laughs> now. Now is a really good time to stand up and 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 leave because yeah. they're going to promise you stuff. And yeah, no. <laughs> it's uh, I, hopefully a lot of that is, has changed. But no, you know, with no you, <laughs> but with it, you are a you know you're a person in the public eye. You're a person that has you know millions of people who are. I don't use the word influence, but you you model behavior, whether you like it or not, Harry, you model behavior mm. that millions of people emulate because that's what we do as humans. We copy what we see. Do you feel that sense of responsibility as to kind of push the values of who you are into the world? When I first started this industry, I didn't uh, understand that. I'm, I just want to make people laugh. Um, but mo more recently when I started therapy and I started uh, doing inner work and looking inside myself i, I kind of dabble around like on my uh, snapchat where i post like quotes and and i talk about things that help me pull me out of like dark holes and whatever else and i realized that that actually that people actually absorb that stuff and they in, enjoy it so at that point it was the first time that i realized like oh okay well there is a young man out there there is a young boy or there is a young girl that that looks at me and 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 feels some sort of like pull towards me and wants to be like me so there was it's been more of a recent thought where I've toned down the hypersexualized persona that I push online uh, to for views and to clicks and stuff, but to be more more a little bit family friendly and more like, okay, well, I know I have a responsibility. I know there's a young boy in Australia, maybe in Yapoon that uh, wants to follow my footsteps. So yeah, are you okay to I mean, I won't you you can say you don't want to talk about this stuff, but as someone who's all about um, uh, you know, getting after a therapist like you would get after a personal trainer, like getting getting mm. mentally fit, like getting a six pack in your brain. I am all about that and maintaining mm -hmm. it, maintaining that fitness. Would you be okay yeah. to talk a little bit about what you what took you to therapy and and what you discovered there? Of course, yeah. So I uh, most recently broke up um, with this amazing girl called Georgia, and it was because there was things that happened in that relationship that led to the breakup that I never could have. Imagined, like I was at the point where I was about to buy us a house. Uh, we were talking about kids, and we're, we're moving it to like to the point where yeah. I I couldn't imagine living with anyone else, and I couldn't imagine having having anyone else beside me for the rest of my life. Um, but then, when there was things that happened that led to me having no choice but to to end things, it it really like tore my soul out of me because I was at the point where I was like, "This is my soulmate." I love this girl with, with everything in my heart and there's nothing on the planet that I wouldn't do for her. And then uh, the, the breakup came about. And for me, I, I always, I'm always like happy, fun guy online. And this, this was the first time where I, I genuinely couldn't figure out how to be funny and happy. And, and I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping. I was rattling my brain. I had to block her and everything. So I wouldn't look at her stories. I had to tell my friends, Hey, like, please don't like bring it up in conversation. Cause I don't know what to do. And I was toying with the idea of getting a therapist for a while before then, just because, um, yeah, I always feel it's, it's hard to talk. It's, it's hard to talk to everyone, especially, um, about some things you kind of just want to get out of your head and, and not yeah. feel like you're, you're being a downer on anyone. So I, I was at that point and then this, this breakup happened and, and my team just said, all right, you need to, you, you seriously need to talk to someone. Cause I was crying like nonstop and I was trying to run away from my problems. I was trying to run away to, New York, I was um, 
yeah, I was just, I was genuinely in a really bad place. And then having a, a therapist really was, was, was like a night and day difference because you get to, um, you get to explain everything with no interruptions, no mm. one, no one combating what you're saying. No one like it, sometimes in a relationship when you say, Hey, I don't like that. The person's got to come back and just rip you apart and, and make you feel invalidated, which is what's happened a lot. So I was sitting there. It was like the first time I really got to explain like, this is how it made me feel. And I got to get that all out of me. I got to get it out of my head, off my shoulders, mm. um, and then get a peace of mind and then get to sell a professional, someone that's trained to do this stuff, give me help to take, to move on. And then also go down and like, maybe there's some like deep stem, deep rooted issues from my past that maybe that makes me the way I am. And it just helps you understand yourself as a human even more and reflect a lot better. And I think it has been one of the greatest decisions I've made. I'm so happy to hear you talk about that. It's, uh, you know, less and less. I'd like to think, mm. but it's still enough that many people don't want to go. Like, what's a, mm -hmm. what's a therapist going to do to change, you know, make this better? Like, are they going to mm. come here and, you know, sort this out? No. Like, I'm going to go mm -hmm. sit in their office for an hour and I could be fixing that. Fuck off. Um, yeah. You know, that that might be a, a reaction that some people may have. But what do you, I mean, in my own experience, the, the overarching idea that really helped me initially um, was just because I think, just because I feel it doesn't make it real. And mm -hmm. the way my body feels is a reaction to the thoughts that I've been having about this situation. And I can change my mind. So if I change how I feel about the situation, I'll change how my body feels. And mm -hmm. that in itself unlocked uh, like a huge amount of relief and understanding that oh, yeah. I'm just seeing this as this. It might not be this. Let me ask this person. And was there a moment for you that like some particular skill that the therapist helped you with that allowed you to kind of unlock something? It wasn't the therapist that helped me with this. This has been the most life-changing um, piece of tool, mental tool that I've ever had. So my manager, Jeff, he has um, he has an incredible network. And there's this one guy in, in it called Dan who helps people visualize the future and, and manifest. And I'm fully on board with this stuff. I love it so much. So I was in, again, in that, in that rut, talking to my therapist once a week. It was good. It was helpful, but it wasn't really getting me to the over the line, I was kind of sitting there, like sitting on my hands, like, okay, I need to see her more. But then I got sent this perfect picture uh, exercise from this guy called Dan. Essentially what happens is you write down next five years, like who you are, where you live, what it looks like, what it smells like, everything around you, who you live with, um, kind of what's going on in your, your legacy, your net worth, how many kids, everything. Everything about who you want to be in five years, you put it on a piece of paper. So I wrote it all down. I was very emotional. I'm like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Like I'm, I'm connecting with my future self and I'm so proud of everything that I've achieved and everything I've done and the men I've become. And then you go through that, you find something that's going to trigger that memory. So for me, it was three Fiji water bottles because there was a video of The Rock on his um, social media where he was laying in bed and his daughter was popping a water balloon on his head. And then he panned and there's three Fiji water bottles beside his bed, like perfectly lined up, perfectly straight, unopened. And I was like, that is the most bizarre sign of success because not one, not two, but three brand new fresh water bottles lined up. And I can imagine that he has a maid that comes in and makes sure it's there every night. There's no like, nothing. it's just, it's how it is in his life. That's yeah. the most insane sign of success. So for me, I put that in. I was like, in the next five years, I want to have three Fiji water bottles beside my bed every day. So I put that and that's my anchor point. So now whenever I'm sad, 
whenever there's something that's pissing me off or whenever there's something that's really getting under my skin, in my head, I yell, stop it. I yell it as loud as I can in my head, stop it. Think of the three Fiji water bottles and it fully disrupts that whole thought process. I'm like, wow, none of this matters. Who cares about this breakup? It does not matter because in five years, I'm so much stronger because of this. If I didn't have that breakup, I wouldn't have gone through this process and I wouldn't know how to manifest and connect to the future me. So that has been the best advice that I could ever, that I ever received. And it changed everything for me. I I have a a similar practice and I I wonder if this is the same with you because people might, this is not some sort of the secret, you know, you just pop it in your head and da, 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 you know, and then it just shows up like a car space at Westfields and Christmas time. No, for me, it is. And I wonder if this is the same with you. For me, it's if I remind myself the things like there's things that well, I want with this podcast, there's things with other things, you know, shows that I'm creating and, you know, projects that I'm working on outside of television and broadcasting. You know, if I write it all down and I remind myself of it, I try to do it daily. Subconsciously, I find myself making cho- decisions and choices, tiny little choices mm-hmm. and decision points throughout the day that get me, edge me closer to that. Because in the back of my mind, it's like, oh no, we're eventually going to have this thing. So this is probably the right thing to do. And I'm wondering if that's the same thing with you. I have uh, post-it notes around my bathroom mirror. So subconsciously, same thing. Like I'm just making those subtle decisions that are going to get me closer to that person that I see in the mirror. So yeah, yeah, I'm fully involved with that stuff. I love <laughs> But it's it's not some sort of woo-woo shit. It is just, no. you know, in the same way that, Shit, I don't know. When I've just taught Wolfie, uh, the littlest one, uh, how to look right, look left, and look right again when you cross the road. Okay, mm. so you know it becomes this kind of automatic response now, and you know eventually it becomes this thing that's just in the back of your head. You know, like oh, when I'm crossing the road, I just do this because I want to get to the other side safely. That's on my post-it note is like get to the other side safely, and so mm. there's this thing, this choice that I'm making through the day that helps me ultimately do that because somewhere in my brain it says this is the thing that we want to we want to do and, and it also gives you some sort of agency and, and forward motion when you started working with a therapist you know how did that change the way you looked after yourself and you clearly keep very fit you clearly have a, a disciplined uh, you know regime um mm-hmm. you know we spoke before about how your body processes uh, protein and your testosterone levels right now. So you're, you're kind of on the inside track at this point, son, but <laughs> it changes <laughs> on the other side of 30, bro. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it gets interesting. Uh, you know, where, you know, where's the discipline around making sure that you have the bandwidth? Because there's a lot of stress in your life. And this is not even to mention for the amount of people that really love what you're doing and are happy to financially support you through the channels that you put yourself out there, there's a percentage of people that want to see you vanish into oblivion, hopefully on fire, uh, while, you know, mm. being filmed in slow motion, you know, people could be probably <laughs> quite horrible, really horrible yeah. to you and people you love. How do you have, is there a, a thing that you do during the day or a thing that you do kind of habitually to keep your resilience up and, and allow you to deal with the uncertainties that, you know, the high, the high, as I say, the higher you climb in the tree, the windier it gets or that they tackle hard in the NFL. You know, you're, if you're on a hundred thousand yeah. dollars a month, like, you know, more money, more problems. I believe it was Biggie Smalls that taught us that. Um, yeah. <laughs> how do you keep yourself resilient? How do you keep yourself insulated against that sort of shit? I think I've, I've built up a pretty, a, a, a good round of tough skin. Like when I first came on 
uh, off the show. It was uh, all I got was love. All I got was love, and there was a few nasty comments here and there. And then when I broke up with my ex, and she started making like all these lies and um, creating rumors online about me, that was the first time I ever had to deal with like hate. And I didn't know how, how I personally, how I could deal with it. And I think that goes back to the university thing. Like I would rather deal with it myself, figure out, fuck up, and move on. So that was the first time I ever dealt with kind of any sort of bad uh, attention and people not liking me. And uh, from that point on, I, I realized the, that I only reply to nice comments. If I see a nasty comment, it's so easy to block someone, but it's so easy to restrict them. So they think they're talking, they think they're getting to you, but no one can see their comments. Yeah. They kind of just like don't exist on your page and they still follow you. So there's a there's a lot of ways to go about it, but it's also like, comes down to if you if you see someone like comment something nasty go and look at their page and you're like oh i get it i would be upset too if i were mm. you so that's fine so i just feel mm. sorry for these people i'm like you do you do look miserable so it's okay but it just sucks that you have to like overflow that onto someone else so my god to find empathy is <laughs> is a hard one because we don't automatically do that we often want to just go straight to defensive or attack mode don't we yeah well, i'm very blessed that i that my friends are very laid back. Like I, I look at some people and they see a nasty comment and they and they go mad and reply and go crazy. I would send a screenshot to my best friends. They'd be like, "Should I? Is this funny? Should I say that?" And they're like, "Who cares? Like, why do you care?" And then I'm like, "Okay, cool. You know, I am being dramatic, so I'm just gonna leave it." So yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. If I didn't have my friends, I would be crazy online to, to yeah. people that would be to me. <laughs> So there's, there's probably as as many people who follow you for, you know, the thing they look at when they see you talking, moving, whatever, m might trigger some sort of hormone release within their body. They might feel a, feel a warm fuzzy within them when they look at you, and that's totally <laughs> awesome. Uh, but there's probably as many guys that look at you and go, that's the kind of arms I want. That's the kind of shoulders I want. Do you think people actually have an idea about what kind of work it takes to maintain or build the kind of the kind of body that that you've got? I always I always get a little bit funny about that because I remember when I first was coming up and I was looking at guys. I'm like, damn! I would I send screenshots to my friends like, I want to look like this one day. I want to look like this. And then now that I've got it more figured out, but I think my life is very uh, built around me. Op, like being optimal and operating at a hundred percent. So I know that not every person, because there's, I'm not normal. There's, there's people with normal jobs and normal lives that, that can't have the, like they can't wake up, go to the gym and then go for a two hour walk or a run and then go have breakfast. And like, it's not, that's not realistic for everyone. So I think that I try and let people know that like, Hey, like I'm, I have it as good as it can be. Like I've built a team around making sure that I'm operating at a, at a high level but I, I try my best to, to, to help people, especially like a lot of these fitness influencers. Like they can be in the gym 10 hours a, a day if they want to. And it's just not doable for people that actually need to live and, and have a normal life. So I, I, I try and help with guys and I try and say like, this is, you know, this is if you want to figure out your calories, like if you want to get a meal plan, ask AI. Like you can do that. I, I did it the other day. I showed them on my Snapchat. I'm like, okay, this is how many calories I need to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. Here's AI. They're going to do a, a meal plan for a week and it's free. You don't have to pay wow. anyone. You have it all sorted. Then you can ask it for like a workout plan to like lose weight and it's going to do it for you. So yeah, I try, I try, but I just know that um, it's not doable. But then again, um, 
I know I'm not at, at the best I can be, so I'm always trying to strive to be, to be better, especially with my body. Just a moment away from Harry to remind you about the gig this Friday, Factory Theatre, Marrickville Doors, I think, like 6.30, 6.45, shows at 7. We're off stage around 8. A super duper fun. The show's called NTNN NNN. It's a satirical news show. Real stories, fake news. Like, I am the newsreader. It is a TV show, but it is not on TV. I'm telling you the news of the day. We are reading the news and we're exploring what that might look like in a fake news show. It's amazingly fun. It's created in the moment. You'll never see it twice. We laugh our asses off and then we go out, we go off to Newtown and eat delicious falafel later in the night. I know we went to Vic on the Park the other night because they serve Fable there. It's fucking amazing. Went to Vic on the Park after the show. Sydney and Melbourne shows are on sale right now. You can find the tickets in the show notes. You can find the links there. We're back with Harry in just a moment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to motivation to train on a day when you don't really want to go, what mm. gets you? What gets you out the door? What gets you in in the shoes? What gets the headphones on? I see it's so ingrained in me now that like I can't start my day without doing something. So, but for me, I always say, dude, if you just go and sit on the treadmill for twenty minutes, like you're so much better than you are just sitting here. So, like, let's go, let's get up, let's just put the shoes on. If you get out of the door. And you're already there. Oh, okay, you're in your car now. So you like 75% there. You may as well just get it done. And then once you're done warming up on the treadmill, you're like, oh, actually, I kind of maybe want to train legs today. Or maybe I kind of want to do this. But I also I don't overwork myself. I'm only in the gym for 45 minutes. No more, no less. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna superset everything and I'm not there to fuck around. I don't I, I don't want to be here. I just want to get it in. I want to have that feeling and then I want to go for a walk and get in the sun and and soak that up so yeah i try and i limit myself to 45 minutes in the gym and 45 minutes like outside soaking up the sun and and yeah that's for 45 minutes and so you are you're not the guy sitting on the machine just you know rubbing the glass just rubbing the glass i'm not oh, done no, no, rubbing that's, the glass. that's me that's me that's for 40 minutes i do one set <laughs> <laughs> just one rep bro one rep yeah. i'm just i'm just letting my glycogen <laughs> let my glycogen replenish mate and then i'll be right with you <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that, that's because you know the idea that uh, when it comes to when it comes to fitness, you know that we're kind of we might have this idea that it's hours or it's you know it's huge amount of stuff. But when you're talking superset, that means uh, for people who who don't uh, haven't lifted weights or something like that, it is there's a if you're working say an arm muscle or, or a leg muscle, there's a pull movement and there's a push movement at the mm-hmm. same like one set to the next. So you're working the whole limb 
in kind of one hit. So yeah. it's actually a kind of a quicker way to do it. You can work the other side of the of the limb that is, you know, while the other one's recovering because you've just, you know, yeah. pulled some massive deadlifts or something like that. So, yeah. but 40, 45 minutes is, that's doable. That's like, it's less than an hour. So doable. I can get it done. That's the thing. Like even with uh, whatever, there's there's off days. Okay, cool. I'm gonna do three exercises. Maybe it's a chest day. I'm gonna do three exercises for my chest. That's the max I'm gonna do for that day. Uh, you know, four sets, 15, 20 reps. Max I'm gonna do, and then to superset it with tries. So then I'll, I'll okay. We're only gonna do three exercises for chest, three exercises for tries, and then that's 45 minutes done. And I feel good. I feel great. But the it just it all comes down to the food that you put in your body. That's what kind of where I realized that I needed to hone in on because I snack. I, I just eat everything and I yeah. go crazy for stuff. So yeah, I really realized that the more gum I have, the less I eat. So I try to always have gum. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that is the I did a, a couple of years back. I did a I did a men's health cover, and in in ten weeks, I did a like I did one of those transformation things. It was bonkers how yeah. much fat I lost and how much muscle I put on. I'm still at this point, the only vegan to ever be on the cover of that mag. And I was pretty wow, happy. bro. I put on two and a half kilos of muscle in not in 10 weeks. Wow. And, That's fuck awesome. yeah, at 44 <laughs> and a celiac. It was awesome. Wow. <laughs> but all of that happened in the kitchen. It mm. wasn't about the gym. It all happened in the kitchen. And yeah. that, I think that's the, that's the real misconception I think people have about someone that they see who's got, you know, a lot, you know, not a lot of adipose fat on their body. They think, mm. oh, they must be in the gym all the time. It's like, no, they're just careful about what they put in their mouth. Yeah. And, and that's the, the biggest thing is like, I realize I actually don't have to finish all the meals like that I, that I have. Like I, you don't have to. <laughs> that was, that was the, the biggest thing that I had to overcome when I was growing up because my parents were like, your mother made this food, you have to finish it. Oh, if you don't finish it, like you're, you're get, not alone you're there, spanked. mate. I think a lot of yeah. people, a lot of people listening have that. Yeah. So so as an adult, if I go out, I'm like, I don't have to finish all these French fries. Like I already have the taste. I already know that I've I've eaten them. The craving's done. I don't know. Now I'm just eating them because I'm competitive. Like I, I don't need to do that. Like get them out of here. So what would you say to people who might, you know, be listening to this and they're going, man, I, I really, I should feel better about that. Cause I'm guessing like once you've finished that 45 minutes and you've gone for a, you know, and it's nice to hear that walking is a part of what you do. That is actually, mm -hmm. it's really important for your head, for your body. Mm -hmm. uh, that people won't be listening. Oh yeah, I wouldn't mind a bit of that, but I've let it slip so far. I couldn't even start. What would you say to someone who's in that position? Just go for a walk. Like just, just, you, you got to do it every day. So you may as well just start there just start being more cautious about the 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 food portions that you have and also do your five-year plan who do what do you want to have in five years who do you want to look like what do you want to smell like what do you want to be like how do you want like what energy do you want to radiate off you when people talk to you and my biggest thing is i look in the mirror and i'm like that's not who I am in five years. So why am I not working harder? Like what? Like <laughs> I, I can, I know I can be better. I know I can be more dialed in. I know I can be more honed in. Um, and I know I can be a better version of myself. So if I, if you're looking in the mirror and you're, and you're not happy or you're not excited, then, then just, just open the door, take one step outside, ha have a goal for the day. I want to do, I want to do a kilometer walk there and back, or I want to do two kilometer walk. 
And also sunshine is so good for you. You're going to feel so much better. You're going to have that peace of mind. You can start that audio book that you've been wanting to start. Yeah. You can do. You can start that podcast. You can really get a lot done. And you can also, for me, like I do a lot of my emails. I do a lot of my work. Sometimes I take meetings on a walk and it just, it gives me the best start to my day. And also it helps like for manifesting. I walk around and I see the houses and I see how big it is and how other people have it and and the potential and the beauty in this world. And it makes, it fills me so much with so much gratitude. It makes me like, wow, this is beautiful. Like we live, especially in Australia, like I get to walk around here on the beach and I'm like, this is the most beautiful place on the planet. There's nothing like Australia. And it makes me feel so grateful to be alive. And then it makes me want to get outside more. I'm like, there's so much more I haven't seen. I'm going to go that way now. Like it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I love your curiosity and, and what you've described, <laughs> what people might not realize, but what you described, it's, it's, it's mindfulness. You're being, yes, mm. you said you are on your phone occasionally. This is also, this is true, but to walk around and notice houses, notice, oh, that's a really interesting thing in that window. Wow. Look at that couch I can see from here. Boy, mm. look at that boat. Boy, that's a fantastic surfboard over there. Goodness me. Wouldn't it be incredible? Like noticing the world around you. And then if you go out every day, noticing how it changes every day, that's extraordinarily helpful to keep things in perspective, keep your life in perspective. And the idea of having a five-year plan is, is actually kind of not a plan. Like if you don't have one, you're fucked. It's just a bit of a, mm. to understand that we're all going somewhere and we have a choice in where we're going. So you may as time, well choose, you know? Time's, time's going to pass regardless. You may as well put something on paper. <laughs> you couldn't have said it better. Now, speaking of time passing, I wouldn't want you to be alone, Harry. Now, now, as someone who, uh, I, I, wrote, I wrote a book about this, so I'm not saying anything that's out of order, but those earlier years that I told you where there was no manager, when I was like in, in the middle of a show called Australian Idol, life was bananas. Like I wasn't alone, I promise you, but I was lonely because mm. there was no one that I had in my life that I could share uh, an intimate emotional connection with. Mm. And over the, as I've gotten older, hot fades, you know, and, but kindness lasts forever and being able to connect with someone emotionally and have the two of you uh, have a conversation without words is one of the most extraordinary, glorious things ever. And I, I want you to have that in your life. You know, you've got everything, but you, you know, talk about things that money can't buy, money can't buy that. You know, is that in your life? Is it coming into your life? Is that on your five years? Uh, it's on, it's on my, I, I had it with my, with my ex. That, that was, uh, where, where nothing else mattered. You know, I wake up, I'm like, let's get her yeah. a coffee before, before yeah. myself. Let's, let's make sure her day starts right before mine starts. Um, but it is, it isn't, it's in my best interest now because you know, this, this hookup culture is crazy, but I, I explained to people, I'm now dating to marry. Like if I can't see myself marrying you, I don't want to date you. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not going to waste my time. I've learned enough lessons. I don't need to learn anything else. I'm good. I've learned enough lessons. I've been cheated on. I've cheated on someone. I've done this. I've done that. I know exactly what's good and bad. I know it like black and white. I get it. I'm good. I'm ready to I'm ready to settle down. I'm ready to get married. I'm ready to figure all, all that stuff out. I'm ready to have a best friend and a life partner. So that's the, the goal, but I'm not hunting it because I know every time you go hunt something and try and force love, it doesn't come. So I'm focusing on myself. I, I have so much to achieve in my career and I have so much to do in the next five years. And she only, she only comes in in year three. So I still have the next three years <laughs> till I'm 28 to go. All right. And then she's going to pop up and we're good. So, yeah. 
Oh, be, be prepared. Be prepared for that person to show up when you least expect it, mate. Um, <laughs> you strike me as someone who's, um, you know, you. The idea of unlocking the potential that you have is very important to you, and mm-hmm. I'm guessing that you, are, you will, the, the person who will be this person that comes into your life uh, romantically will have that similar kind of idea. I'd imagine that you would be interested in finding someone like that. So I'll tell you what was told to me, Harry. There is no such thing as the one. There is only the one that's willing to work on it with you. And if you find that person, that is the person. All right? That is it. Wow. Because it gets shit. And when kids come along, no one's fucking sleeping. No matter how how much money's coming in, we're always, always operating to the limits of what we can afford, right? So there's always money troubles. There's never sleep. You're cranky. And if you've got someone who's willing to work on it, then that's more valuable than anything. And, and when I learned that, that is the thing that changed for me. And that is how, when I, when I found Audrey, I was like, ah, you're the, and we're away because that you are willing to do this. And we, you know, there's difficult times. There's this, this, this idea that it's always perfect is bullshit. Mm. Um, everything goes in cycles. But if you've got someone that's willing to figure it out with you, then that's the greatest thing you can find. And I'm telling you, man, she's probably going to show up sooner than you're ready for it. Oh, God. <laughs> she might not have read your piece of paper, oh, no. Harry. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you mean, oh, no? You get to get to the, you, you get to cut to the end of the level faster. You get to go to the boss level quicker and then you go above, man. It's great. <laughs> I'm trying to wait till I was 28. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's a God. number, bro. Yeah. It's a mate. Look, mate, I, I, you're a really busy man, and I'm, I'm so fucking grateful yeah. I could speak with you today. Uh, <laughs> you know, to to hear to hear from you, and and you know, you're you're someone who represents a lot to a lot of people, but someone like you terrifies people who work in the industry that I work in. You know, mm-hmm. because you've figured out a way to get at the same market that people in the, my kind of main broadcast industry are, are losing hand over fist, and they can't figure out. In many ways, mm. how to well, well, we need to recapture this, this this market. We don't we don't know what to do. Um, so I'm just stoked for you, mate. I'm just so happy that you are where you are, and you seem to have <laughs> some really good people around you. And I'm really glad about that, man. Just you know, have fun, and you sound like you you sound like you're okay. And I'm stoked to hear that you're okay. I really am. <laughs> oh, thanks, bro. I appreciate it. No, uh, this, this has been awesome. Yeah. I'm also a big fan, man. This is, uh, oh, this is wild. Piffle, really? Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, of course. What do you mean? <laughs> oh. What do you mean, really? <laughs> I just, ha- I just happened, I just happened to be, have, have jobs that a lot of people knew about. Like there's people who give out home loans that change way more lives than I do. You know, I just happen to have a job that people know about. Um, and you get people that, that, that break where they, they don't have to worry about yeah. their, their nonsense and they can they can watch, you know, people the, the, there's on, that. on TV. Yeah, there is, it's, there it's, is it's that. good. It's, that is a part it, of it. Fundamental. <laughs> I'm grateful for it, man. Yeah. I really am. Have the most fantastic time on the Goldie and um, I really appreciate you taking the time, buddy. And uh, go, oh, there's a muffin shop in Mermaid Beach that you have to go to. It's not the surf club. It's on the other side of the road from the surf club. And muffin shop like in Mermaid that. Beach. Yeah. Like it's from your place, it's probably 40 minutes walk south. Okay. And um, I'll run it. It's just on the other side of the surf club. And you know what? Then you can wander past the $20 million houses on the four dunes and you can do a bit of manifesting while you chomp your muffin. <laughs> wow. That, there you, that's perfect. I love that. Thank so, you. Um, at your service. Thanks, man. <laughs> Legend. 
And that was Harry Jowsey. Massive thanks to uh, his team who worked pretty hard on lining that up. He's a busy man. And it was amazing to work with everybody that, that made that happen. A lot of people worked real hard to make us have the opportunity for us to both be in the same place at the same time to have that chat. And a big, big thanks to Harry for being so open in our conversation and being so open and trusting me to respond to my questions the way he did. I'm really grateful. You can't be what you can't see. I say that all the time here. And that particular version of masculinity isn't one that's really highlighted much in our country. Owning one's sexuality, owning male sexuality in the way that Harry does. We see it quite often in in women online and in public, in the public eye, but rarely do we see uh, male sexuality expressed like that in a way that is not only powerful, but it is, I want to use the word safe. It's not oppressive. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. And I'm grateful that Harry is out there being that because God knows the versions of masculinity that people like me were sold when we were kids don't work out too well. So whether what Harry's doing is the best or not best thing, I'm just grateful that it's a different version of it and we can perhaps explore and put it up on the test bench and see how things go. Test bench is not a euphemism for something else. (laughs) Hey, look, thanks so much for listening. Come see the gig on Friday night, Factory Theatre, Marrickville, early doors, uh, 6.45, I think the doors open, 7 o'clock show. I put a really fucking good vibe tape together, by the way. So the vibe tape is just awesome. Get there early. <laughs> you know, pump the, pump the tunes before the show. Uh, it comes to me Friday night. It's always lovely to say hi. To, I literally end the show and then walk off the front of the stage and talk to people. So if, if you want to say hi, like I will literally stand up, walk down one step and say, hi, how are you going? It'd be great to meet you. For all intents and purposes, I'm vaccinated to the hilt. Hope you are too. Let's have a cuddle and say hi. You know, it'd be great. Sydney shows, there's two more. Melbourne shows, but I think we're doing 10 shows at Melbourne International Comedy Festival at the Malt House Theatre. Get on it. Get amongst it. Uh, special guests are lining up. Next week is absolutely locked in because uh, that was the only night they could make it, but the one for this week I am I'm, I'm courting. I'm still courting, but hopefully I can send them a few bits of vision and they'll go, oh, yeah, okay, I feel comfortable about it now. So we'll get there. I know we'll get there. Thanks heaps for listening. Thank you so much to Bruce Steele, who uh, was a researcher and producer on this show. Thanks very much to Andy Marr, who did audio and video post on this show. Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of The What, and you for listening, because without you, there is no show. I'll be back here on Wednesday, and I'll see you on Friday. I'm here three times a week, and I hope you are too. Have a wonderful day. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.